Welcome to the Overcomers Podcast. Today, you will hear a message from our very own Pastor Richard D. Dobbs entitled, I am happy to be a part of the family. In today's message, Pastor Dobbs pointed out that when you are a member of a strong spiritual and natural family, they will work hard to maintain a strong connection with you regardless, even if your family relationship is being challenged. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you're empowered and equipped by today's message. Matthew chapter 12, going to be looking at verses 46 through 50. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50, reading to you out of the New King James Version Bible. Also, too, we honor Bishop and Lady Walker, amen, in their prospective places. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But the answer said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Very interesting statement that Jesus makes there. But he he says to the one who told him, who is my mother and who and who are my brothers? Now, you know, if anybody knew who his mother was or who his brother was, brothers were, Jesus knew. I mean, you got to think about it now. We may, may not know all our kin folks, but Jesus knows exactly who is kin to him. So if he said this, he know he's trying to teach a deeper lesson than what is on the surface. We'll talk about that as we get into the message. Verse 50, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Based on what I've just read to you, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this subject. I am happy to be a part of the family. Say it with me. I am happy to be a part of the family. Say it with me again. I am happy. Now, hold on. If you ain't happy, you ain't got to say nothing. You say, I'm sad. But no, no. If you're happy to be a part of the kingdom of God, say this with me. I am happy to be a part of the family. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. We pray that the word of God will have free course and people's hearts are hungry and thirsty for the word of God and the ways of God. Father, we pray for every individual in this sanctuary that ready to receive what thus saith the Lord. We bind the enemy right now. They will try to hinder or stop what Jesus is doing. We cast them out and cast out the devil. We cast them out. We thank you for your anointing, your awesome power in this sanctuary this morning in Jesus name we pray let those that agree say amen happiness is a mindset that influences how we process information it can be defined as contentment joyfulness cheerfulness high spirit and lightheartedness so when a person is happy they are content Jesus talked excuse me Paul talked about how that he was content in the things that he had they're joyful. You know, as a person that is happy, they are joyful. Also, too, they are high spirit and lightheartedness. They learn how to cast their cares upon him, for he cares for them. A merry soul doeth good like a medicine. And I truly believe that God wants his children to be happy. How many agree that, that God wants his children to be happy? How many want you, who are parents want your children to be happy? 
Amen. That's right. When we when we process information, uh, inf- situation, relationship through lenses of happiness, it minimizes stress, agitation, and irritation. It helps us to think better. You think better when you're happy. You make better decisions, I believe, when you're happy. You look at it from a different perspective when you are joyful or you are cheerful and definitely content in your particular situation. Now, we're going to pick up Matthew chapter 12 and verse 46 through 50. Notice what it says. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Now, I have picture, tried to picture it in my mind. Why would they be outside when I thought in my mind it could easily have gone to him? But maybe they, it was so crowded they could not get to him. Because I know growing up uh, when my, um, excuse me, when I was growing up and I had to go, and my mama parked outside somewhere, she would send me inside, inside to go get person A or my sister or brother, whoever I was waiting for. But this particular case, Jesus and his brothers are outside while Jesus is on the inside. And what is Jesus doing on the inside? He is talking to the multitude. He is speaking to the multitudes. He's preaching to the multitude. He's declaring his mind and his thoughts to the multitude. And when we allow Jesus to talk to us, he will change our mindset for the better. Not only talk to us, but we listen and put into action the things that he says to us. And having a Jesus mindset will cause us to experience joy in the midst of fiery trials and situations. Isn't it good to know that Jesus will talk to you in the midst of a fiery trial, in the midst of a bad situation, that God is still talking? And, and I love the fact that God talks to me. I, I would listen, I could not survive if Jesus did not talk to me. It's good to know that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And I, I thank God we're in a position that God constantly talks to us week in and week out. Isn't it good to know that God is talking to you week in and week out? That God didn't take days off the amen to not to say anything to you, but he's speaking to us through his word. And as Jesus was interacting with the group, his brothers and sisters, excuse me, his brothers, I should say, not sisters, stood outside wanting to speak to him. His mother and brothers were known to us as his family. We're trying to get his attention. A family is a group of parents and children living together in a household. It's the descendants of a common ancestor. So his mother and his brothers were outside waiting for him. They were wanting to get his attention. And it's a blessing to have a family who loves you enough and seeks you out to get your attention. I thank God that we have family that loves us enough to try to get our attention. Thank God. We don't want to be, amen, you know, when the blind lead the blind, everybody fall in the ditch. But if somebody says something, there's a ditch right there, you might not fall in. Are y'all following me so far? While the text does not specifically say the content of the conversation, or basically Matthew does not tell us. Now, of course, Matthew is the author of this particular book. Matthew was known as one of the disciples. He was one that followed Jesus. And I thought it was interesting because he caught the conversation or he caught what was happening at that particular time. So Matthew wrote about it a little bit later. And so when Matthew wrote about this, he, he wrote about what this was going on, but he never said what they wanted, which I thought was kind of interesting. They did not know, but Matthew did not state what his family wanted with him. Nevertheless, we do know this. We don't, 
we do know this. The people recognize Jesus' family. They acknowledge the existence of Jesus' family. As a member of the body of Christ, people should be able to reckon, acknowledge us as believers. They should be able to recognize us as believers. I don't, listen, if you gotta wear a Jesus t-shirt all the time to let people know that you're a believer, I believe something wrong with your, your conversation. Or your lifestyle. People should be able to see the way you live and know that you're a member of the body of Christ. They may not know at first and they may wonder about you, but sooner or later they should be able to recognize that you belong to the body of Christ in the way that you think, the way that you talk, and the way that you act. People should be able to know that you are a believer. Not a perfect believer, but they should be able to see something different about this person right here. They, they think differently, they talk differently, and they act differently. And not only that, I believe it's truly important that they see See, when we're not at church, that we think differently, we act differently, and we talk differently, especially we should be more like Jesus. And when you're at work, they should be like Jesus. When you're at your home, you should be like Jesus. Listen, it should be a constant lifestyle that you are like Jesus on, on a consistent basis. And people should be able to recognize that. Now, let's go back to our text in Matthew 12, 40. I'm going to read 46, 47 again. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mothers and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. So they're, they're outside seeking to speak with Jesus. And he's talking to the multitudes. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. So they wanted to talk to him. And we see that here in the text. They, they were, excuse me, they, they directed Jesus' attention to the fact that his family was standing outside and seeking to speak with, to him. They were desiring or endeavoring or striving. They wanted to get the master's attention. We don't know what for, but they wanted to get his attention. And we remember of a strong spiritual and natural family. They will work hard to maintain a strong connection with you, regardless if your family relationship is being challenged, but not to the detriment. They will try to get your attention, but they will not go to hell for you. Let me slow that down right there. Listen, they will try to get your attention, but they will not go back on God trying to get your attention. You will never need to be trying to go after somebody and all of a sudden you lose your salvation trying to get their attention. Thank y'all for the two and a half amens right there. But that, that, that's a real talk. I've seen people, but because other people were not saved, they decided they're going to try to follow them or quote unquote help them get saved. And next thing you know, they were not coming to church and neither was the person. We don't never need to follow nobody to follow us, take us out of church. But then again, though, we need to make every effort we can spiritually to do what's best for that individual. Now, y'all follow me here. You got to be led by the Holy Spirit. But don't you let nobody take you out of church. Don't let nobody take you away from God. Don't let nobody take you away from your relationship with Jesus. Are y'all follow me? Oh, yeah. I, I like what Bishop Walker says many times. I quote him. I ain't going to hell for nobody. Thank y'all for two and a half right there. You got to be like that. I ain't going to hell for nobody. So they were seeking his attention, but not to hear their detriment. Now, when Jesus was approached to respond to his family in the text, he asked a very profound question about their the identity of his mother and his brother. It's clear that Jesus was not having an identity crisis, but he was bringing clarity to us. We must be careful that we identify with his, who we identify with in life. They were trying to find out was he the same, the oneness, a close similarity to who he was we're talking to. Jesus asked the question, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Notice how he stopped the whole thing. 
Jesus is teaching the multitudes. He's teaching the multitudes. Let's say, for example, y'all the multitudes. He's teaching everybody. All of a sudden, his mother and his brothers are outside. And as he's teaching the multitudes, somebody come up to him. Come up to him, bro. And they say, hey, your, your mother and your brother's outside. Your mother and your brother's outside. And then he's, instead of him going to see what was going on, he stops teaching. And then you know what he does? He said, who is my mother and my brothers? Who is? And, and the, I, I can imagine the, the, the person that came to him probably looked at him. I just told the man that his mother and brother's outside. I guess back, you know, and he, won't he go see what they want? But no, he starts teaching a different lesson right now. Let me pause for a moment and teach this lesson real quickly. He says, who is my mother and my brothers? Now, the question is almost rhetorical because he does not look for an answer. He gives the answer. You know what he says? Because his disciples evidently were sitting on one side of the room or somewhere were grouped together. So I'm just, just paraphrasing. Watch, watch my example real quickly. He says, he holds his hands up. And he says, behold, these are my brothers and my mother and he's, to me he says it in front of the whole multitude he says it because he wants everybody to know that there is a distinction between those who are following me and those who are not and you get to know that there's a distinction whether or not you're following Jesus or whether or not you are on the other following Jesus or not following Jesus because he says I can imagine young man he said I just told the man that his mother and his brothers outside. I just was expecting all this, but he taught a profound lesson to all of us in this sanctuary this morning. Because he said, he pointed. Now, what he did was kind of interesting. The Bible says he held his hand up to the disciples. Not to the multitude, but to the ones who were his pupils or his learners. Those who were following him. I didn't say they were perfect, but he held his hand up to these and he says, behold, my brothers and my mother. He made a distinction. I mean, one of the things I thought about this too, and, and I don't know if I get to, but let me share with you while it's on my mind. I believe he was sharing with them who the, his disciples were, but he wanted to make everybody his disciple. He wanted to make the person that was sitting over here and over here be disciple, just like the ones who were sitting over here. Because Jesus, I believe Jesus wanted to spread his arms one day and said, look, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because Jesus didn't die for these few over here. Jesus died for everybody. Jesus loves everybody. He is not just holding his love back just for a select few. God loves everybody. And one of the things that he wanted, I believe, the disciples to do was to share that love with the rest of these people in this sanctuary. See, don't get saved and stop sharing the goodness of God with other people. Don't stop sharing what God is doing in your life with other people. Don't stop sharing the fact that God has delivered you from That God is protecting you from, oh, he, he protecting you. Do you, have you ever rolled down the road some days with other people and you said, God, God protected me today. Have you ever ride down the road with some folks and folks get distracted or folks don't be on their cell phone and they'll be like on your side of the road, like, God, please get them before they hit me. 
Oh, you never seen somebody look at their cell phone dry at the same time? Okay, let me let me get personal then. Have you been on your cell phone driving at the same time? Huh? I know they got the hands-free law, but I know they got it, but uh, uh, so get what distracted. I believe one thing God wants us to do is to have everybody know the gospel. He want every. I said, listen. He didn't want just his disciples to know what. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. To know that they could be a learner or a pupil of Jesus. He wants everybody to be a learner about Jesus. He wants everybody, he wants to look at you and say, hey, you my brother. Hey, you my sister. Hey, you my brother. You my sister. And, and, and every now and then, you might be a mother of the church. You might be whatever it is. He wants everybody to be a part. Thank you, my brother. The man came to him and gave him a message. But he taught a powerful lesson. Now, one of the things I want you to understand about this lesson is that not only did he want disciples, but he wanted all of them. Because I believe he taught a lesson that we all need to learn. Listen, if you're not a part of the family, you can't be a part of the family. If you're not a part of the kingdom of God, you could be a part of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is not just limited to a few folks. God wants all of us. My question for you this morning before I go further is, who have you shared the kingdom of God with in these last few weeks, the last few days? Are you been, I, I, I thought of this because I had to repent to God the other day. God, somebody stopped me the other day and they were talking to me. And, and, uh, and they, we were talking about, talking about you, Samantha, when you're old coaches. Uh, we, we were talking and, and, and as I was talking to him and, and I, we were just talking and we talked and we talked about what's going on, what's happening. And, and I walked, we finished the conversation. I was kind of hurt because she was in the store and I had to go find her. And I said, but I, I got to hurry, but I was too, too much of a hurry. Why you say, Pastor? Because the Holy Spirit dealt with me. Why do you invite him to church tomorrow? Listen, you ain't that much of a hurt that you can't share the gospel with him. What you got to do? Go, go someplace that you could, you're in so much of a hurry, you can't fulfill my will. And I had to repent while I was walking, looking for her in the stone. I said, God, I'm so sorry. Because if you if this, it was no accident I ran to this person. It was no accident that I ran because a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. And when God orders your steps, you just don't have no accidental meetings. You know that, right? Now, how you respond to them between you and God. Because some things, you know, hey, you're supposed to do what's right. Are you leading people to Jesus when you act, when you quote unquote accidentally meet them? Oh, but you're so, so concerned like I was about getting away from that person that I missed the opportunity to share Jesus. When do we become so busy that we cannot share the love of Jesus just like somebody did for us? Because then somebody love us enough to share Jesus with us. Then somebody love us enough to pray for us. Then somebody love us enough to share the truth with us. Because our life would not be the same if they had not shared it. And so what, where are we at that we don't share? Especially when the Lord is tucking at you, hey, share Pastor, I don't know enough scripture. Let me tell you something. When I was coming up and, and, and just go witnessing, I barely knew, I barely knew John 3.16. 
they threw John 3.16 on bulletin boards these days. And I, I like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I knew it, but what did it mean? Oh, you can know a scripture. I was thought like this. They, they, uh, and that's what the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit can, can help illuminate a scripture to you so you can learn it a whole lot better. Oh, let me say this to you. Oh, thank you, Father. On the day of Pentecost, his disciples got the Holy Spirit. God didn't just want to give the disciples the Holy Spirit. He wanted to give everybody the Holy Spirit. Because he wanted to be the Holy Spirit to, to lead and to guide and to teach all of us what to do. Let me tell you something. What I was thinking about this this morning as I, as I was preparing for the message, one thing that the Holy Spirit revealed to me was, listen, in the time that we're living in, people are not designed to handle the pressure that is on them. They are not designed to handle the pressure that is on them. There is not one person that I know can handle all the pressure that life puts on them. That's why you say, cast your cares upon me for I care for you. My God, I can. Listen, I've been, I'm 55. I can't handle everything that comes my way. I can imagine if you're 20s, you, you definitely can handle all the stuff that you deal with. I mean, stuff come with you with emails, telephone calls, people, children, so forth and so on. You need Jesus to help you handle the things that come your way. Some decisions you have to make, let me say this to you, some you have to make some tough decisions. It wasn't always easy, the decision that you made. It was tough. And listen, and not everybody liked the decision that you made. Y'all should have said amen right there. You, you all know good and well. Didn't nobody, oh, everybody loved my decision. I guarantee if you had three people in there and one person made the decision, one and a half of them people didn't like it. Now everybody gonna like your decision. But the Holy Spirit will help those that will acknowledge Him in all thy ways and He will direct your path. I don't know one person in this sanctuary can handle all the things that come their way. I, I like you. I know you're intelligent. You're smart and take your neighbor. You look good too. Oh, y'all scared to look at your neighbor too? Oh, y'all, I'm lying. Okay, I don't want to lie about my neighbor. Now look at your neighbor and tell them you look good this morning. But no matter how good you look, you still can't handle everything that comes your way. You can't handle everything that comes your way. You can't handle everything that comes your way. Listen, even with the Holy Spirit, it can be challenging sometimes. Even with what we, we do in life. It can be challenging sometimes. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us along the way. Now, I want to go a little further into what we're talking about. So he said, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? Then the question indicates that Jesus does make distinction on who is his family. There's a distinction there. We need to be clear on who we're calling our family and who they represent in the spiritual as well as natural areas of life. You got to know who you're calling your family. You got to know. I, I know, because you understand something. Jesus makes this statement, and his mother and his brothers were just right outside. I'm sure they heard about it. Because this, listen, let me tell you something. Folks back then, they didn't have CNN, they didn't have cell phones. The only thing they talked about many times is what Jesus talked in the, about in the area. So he said, Oh, did you hear what he said? He said, Who is his mother? And his brothers. 
I can imagine that some people thought, hey, this man don't know what he's doing. What's wrong with, what's wrong with Jesus? I thought, listen, he's going to be this great teacher. Why is he saying who is his mother and who is his brothers? Because you can imagine with a multitude of people, people have all types of thoughts. I love the example that Bishop gave yesterday. When you're dealing with a group of people, you got all types of attitudes that you deal with when you deal with a group of folks. Let me let me break it down a little bit further for you. When you work with people, you got all types of people that you work with. When you're dealing with business, you got all types of people that you deal with. When you're dealing with social media, you don't know who you're friends with. You got an idea, but sometimes you ever notice how people on social media can flip on you just just like that. Some one minute they talk about how good God is, but two statements later, everybody else. That same person that was praising God will use several cuss words in a statement about this, that, and the other. They'll flip on you. All types of people that you deal with. All types of people that we deal with. But I thank God today that God gives us grace. He gives us mercy to deal. Let let me say this to you. To deal with ourselves and to deal with the people around us. And let me add one more statement to that so don't get mad when I say it. Sometimes God will give you people grace to deal with you. Thank y'all for two and a half. I thought I heard two. I might have got three amens right there. But I thought that was a good statement. God will give people grace to deal with you. Let me try to. Listen, I think I heard it right here. Let me try to side over here because y'all were quiet when I said that. God will give people grace to deal with you. Thank y'all. Let me try to side over here. God will give people grace to deal with you. Then we'll try this for everybody. God will give you people grace to deal with you. That's it. He'll give people grace to deal with you. And I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate that. Now, you notice that the, the language, the body language that he used in Matthew 12 and 49. He used that body language to send a strong message to all of us. He stretched out his hand toward his disciples, again, his learners and his pupils, and proclaimed that, that here is my mother and brothers. At times, our nonverbal communication can be as powerful as our verbal communication when it comes to family dynamics. It's not always what we say, but at times, it's what we don't say. One thing, uh, we were talking. One thing about a text, you can't see somebody's facial expression in text. You can't. It could be harmless, but you read it and you may take it the wrong way. Uh, listen, some of y'all ain't never read a text got upset. I need to see somebody shake their head and go, I, I, I know somebody, I, I'm my baby. I know somebody lying up in here, boy. You read a text, what the world they mean by this? And really, they didn't mean nothing by it. But because you can't see their facial expressions, you don't really know. That's why verbal communication is so important to me. Because I can hear your voice tone to see how you really mean, what you mean about something. You can't get, ain't a voice tone on a text. All that you see is, boom, there it is. And, and it depends on the person. Person could be going through a rough time. And they receive it as something that is negative when really it's not even meant that like that. I know you probably read some text like, what the world? you like, now some of y'all probably called the folks as soon as you read certain texts. What they mean by that? 
keep God can't even call can't even call quick enough because you want to see what they going on. That's why I believe verbal communication is so important. That's why when Jesus lifted his hand, he was saying something when he lifted his hands. Sometimes when we, we do verbal communication, we're saying things by our facial tones. I can tell about when some people look at me in the sanctuary. Some people look at me like, Pastor, will he ever hush? Lord, he's been preaching for at least 14 hours. Oh, it's only been 20 minutes. This is this, this, look at me, y'all. Another scripture? Another one? And then I got to look past you. That's why Jeremiah said, don't look at their faces. Don't look at the faces. You still got to minister what thus saith the Lord, despite the faces. You got to you got to go by Jeremiah. I, I see why Jeremiah said something like that. Because faces person can mess you up. She okay. You ever talk to somebody, all of a sudden they face expression that change on you? You got to know what the Holy Spirit is saying. All right? Understand that. Understand that. So it was a powerful expression he was making. Jesus makes it clear that he is connected to family members that are learners and followers of his teaching. He is joined with them. He got a strong bond with those that are followers of his teaching. Because you're not just a follower, but you're a, you're a follower of his doctrine or his teaching. He understood that his teachings will prepare them to have families that were peaceful, prosperous, and protected from the enemy, as stated in John 10.10. 10. The thief coming not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He came that we may have peaceful. He came that we may have a prosperous life. He came that we have a protected life from the enemy. He wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to be in a situation where we are protected. He wants us to be in a situation where we are prosperous in every area of our life. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to have a prosperous relationship. He wants you to have a prosperous business. He wants you to have a prosperous uh, mindset. He wants you to be happy. And and, And let me say this to you. I love being happy. I love being happy. And I used to think that money had to make me happy. I learned that was a lie a long time ago. Thank y'all. I got some people to agree on that right there. Let me tell you something. Being in the will of God causes happiness in your life. Being in the will. Listen, a lot of things go on around you. But being in the perfect will of God for your life, in any season of your life, that's going to make you happy. That's going to make you happy. I remember, it, y- y'all might think this is strange, but I remember uh, several times I used to tell uh, my family, you said, what do you give me for my birthday? I said, dear, dear, I don't want nothing except to be with y'all. Because I know one day y'all going to grow up and be on your own and so forth. But that makes me happy. I don't need, listen, tell you something. If I want something, I know I'm going to go out and get it. Thank y'all for the four-way mans right there. I'm blessed. I mean, you know, I wouldn't just lie to you. If I want something, I'd go out and get it. If I want some dunk stick, I'd go out and get it. If I want a meal, I'd go steak, I'd go out and get it. I'd go out and get it. So there's some things you just can't buy with money. I can't buy peace with money. Y'all follow me? I can't buy joy with money. But being in the will of God, that brings
brings peace, that brings joy, that brings prosperity. Isn't it good to be in a relationship with Jesus? Hallelujah. But God will teach you this kind of stuff. But he'll teach you. That's following his doctrine. That's following John 10, 10. The thief come not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That's following the will of God. Now, we want our natural and spiritual families to be in unity when it comes to our eagerness and determination to receive and apply godly truth. We want to be one, light-minded. We want us to be one. Church members connecting as one body. We want us to be one. United. Unity. When it comes to our eagerness and determination to receive and reply godly truth. Godly truth, what is true under any circumstances. I like the definition the Lord gave us the other day. He says, truth in this particular case, John 8, 31 through 32, is the teachings of Jesus. Jesus knows how to give us truth. And what another, another definition is free from error. It's free from error. Go to John 8, 31 and 32. I want to show you this one. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believe him, if you abide in my word and ye, and you are my disciples indeed. So notice this. We're talking about disciples, learners and pupils, pupils. But notice what, who are disciples? Those that abide in his word. His disciples are those, his learners are his pupils are those who learn, who make, have a lifestyle of learning the truth about Jesus. Cause you don't learn everything about Jesus overnight. Once you get saved, this is a process you gotta go through. You have to learn something about Jesus. Jesus, here, here's this, this, yeah, I saved you, but now you, get, you need to come over here and learn some things. You gotta learn how to think. You gotta learn how to talk. You gotta learn how to act. Romans chapter 12 talks about this. You got to be renewed in your mind. Because a lot of things we may have grew up with, listen, we had to relearn them because Jesus said, hey, that's not right right now. And when God tells you something ain't right, you got to go to the scripture and find out how is it that God wants me to do this thing. Listen, I just think I just do, listen, I just think I knew what love was. But God had to reteach me what love was. Because I would learn, I had learned love off the street. Let me tell you something. Love off the street is not agape love. Thank y'all for the four-way man's right there. Love off the streets. Oh, I grew up off on Mount Zion Street, Carrollton, at the post, at the post, and all the other places I was learning love from had nothing to do with God's type of love. I had to, had to, had to be retrained how to do it God's way. When I did it God's way, that's where I found happiness at. I didn't know that God, would, when I was learning love, teach me how to be happy at the same time. But that was just a part of it. So you, 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 come, you come happy when you do it God's way. Because God, God gives you joy. Gives you joy. I'm not to raise my children. I thought I did. For any parent, not, listen, I got some special children, y'all. Oh, we got some special children. They are unique. <laughs> they are not another one like them two in the entire world. I've seen a lot of children in the world. And these are some special, unique children. And raising them, 
I looked, I looked in, you know, you read those little books. You ever seen them books they give you uh, how to raise your child the right way? Eight steps to raising your child the right way. Two steps not to get your child in trouble. Four steps not to get your child on drugs. Eight steps have your child have low, not to have low self-esteem. All that stuff did not work, macho. You know what worked with him? The Lord. Scripture said, bring him up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That's what we had to bring him up in. Now, and when they get old, they're trying to depart, but sooner or later, they're coming back around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I have to rely on right there the Scripture. Oh, man, how, I mean, how are you going to raise your children? Your children are unique. They're special. How are you going to raise your children? Dear? Your children are special. They're unique. How are you going to raise, you raise your children? Dear? Your children are special. Your children are special. They, listen, you know, all they need to do when you have a child, they put that child in that baby seat, make sure they strap down real good, and tell you, see ya. <laughs> Hold on, what am I doing that? What do they do when they start crying? And they won't stop crying. And they cry and they cry. Remember t- many times I just, <laughs> uh, you don't mind me telling the story. Got the mic, I'm not going to tell anyway. Hallelujah. I remember times he would not act right sometimes. And I would be in the back in the other church. And, and my mama had, I was going to, my, mom, my, my wife had the comb ministry. Not the parting of the hair comb ministry. <laughs> she had the little black comb. And so, so she was like, well, what do you do with this child? And this, and this? Hey, so when I came out, get ready to go preach, she would say, hey, do something with this boy right here. <laughs> So before I ministered to y'all, I had to go minister to him. <laughs> I didn't read that in the manual. Nobody talked talk about that in preaching 101 or 102, that you had to discipline your child before you get to the pulpit. <laughs> but that was part of it, though. I'm telling you something, you need the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide you in all truth. Because we're, we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But anybody fearfully and wonderfully made by God going to need help by God. Y'all follow me? Because if you're made by God, you're going to need God to help you to become who God called you to be. If I see that now, I want to say something. The Holy Spirit is real, y'all. It is real. That's why Jesus stressed the key factor ensuring that we have happiness individually as a family. He says in Matthew 12 and 50, 12 and 50, that he must daily choose to do the will of God, or the will of the Father, I should say. We should do the will of the Father. Let me go back to Matthew 12 and 50. I'm getting close to the end. And he says this, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So he says this. He says this. I got to choose daily. I got to choose to do his desires. I got to choose to do God's pleasure. I got to choose to do God's purposes. I got to choose to do God's commands and his precepts. I got to choose it. But it's a daily choice I make. It's a daily choice we all make. If I'm going to be in the family of God, I've got to choose to do the commands of God. I got to choose to do the will of God. I've got to choose to do it. It's a choice we make. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, it's a daily choice. 
But the more you choose it, God begins to reveal things to you. Eyes have not seen nor ears heard. Neither is the end to the heart of man. The things that God has put to you like this, I'm paraphrasing, open up to those that will seek him. The reason you could be happy today is because God has opened up some things to you. I'm going to tell you something. Boom, the spirit of truth come, it will lead and guide you in all truth. That's a real statement. That is a real statement. When God began to reveal word to you, huh? you know, one thing I've learned about God, one of the first things God revealed to you is how to be a better you. A better you. You're going to be a better you walking with God. You, you ain't gonna, listen, you may correct other people, and I know I have that, that, that uh, responsibility, but let me say this to you. The first person I correct every day is me. First person we, we listen, if you find yourself pointing fingers at everybody else and you never correct yourself, that, that's a problem right there. That's a problem right there. I don't see how in the world you can correct, you can find out everybody else's faults, but you never see anything wrong with you. I got, I, listen, I, I lost some amens right there, but that's okay though. That is fine by me. You heard it today though. You can walk out here and say, I didn't know, Pastor Dow. Yeah, today you knew. What you, what you say, Pastor Dow? Something wrong with you. You, let me say this to you. You need Jesus. You need what the Holy Spirit in your life to help you to think better, to talk better, and to conduct your life in a better way. And God is willing to do it if you allow it. That's why you know the wit, the desires of God, the pleasures of God, the purposes of God, the commands of God, and the precepts of God. Because God is dealing with you. You know, we, we dealt with that um, series we did in prayer, and we still didn't really stop dealing with it. But one thing, the first one that Jesus prayed for was himself. Before he prayed for the disciples and those that will follow through the gospel. He prayed for himself. So you got to know that the will of God is going to first start off with you. How in the world can I tell you to do the will of God and I'm not doing it? You do the will. You do the will. You pray. You pray. You give. You give. You fast. You fast. You, 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 you. But what about me? Let, let Paul said this, unless I become a castaway. I need to make sure I get things right with God. Paraphrase. Now, we must strive daily to surround, let me say, surround our hearts and minds on prayer. That's what we talked about. Meditating on scripture, singing spiritual songs, gaining knowledge and understanding from our God, our day day pastor, as well as sharing the word with us. We got to surround ourselves. Be all around us, set as a border or boundary. Let me tell you something. You need to be listening to songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, making a joyful heart into your the noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Praying, meditating on scripture. If you didn't come to church today, what scripture would you have listened to or heard or wrote or uh, meditated on today? Think about that. You don't come to church every day. But you need to have a game plan that every day I'm going to meditate on some word today. I don't need a game plan. If you got to pull the spiritual notes out, let me tell you something. No good ball team go into a game without a, a game plan. They would never survive. If you're going to be spiritually successful, you need a plan. You need a plan. Thank you, Lord. You need a plan. You just can't say, well, whatever scripture come my way. No, you got to be intentional about reading scriptures. You got to be intentional. Say, I'm going to pray. Because you ain't going to always feel like praying. You got to be saying, you know what? I'm riding down the road today. I'm going to pray for 10 minutes while I'm riding down the road today. 
I'm going to pray 10 minutes. I'll, listen, I'll, if the phone ring, it go to voicemail. I got, I got to pray for 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Is that a long time pass out? No. This morning when I get up, I'm going to read this scripture. I'm going to be intentional about reading this scripture this morning. This day, I'm going to do something that is going to be to cause me to grow up and mature into a mature saint. But you got to have a plan. Listen, problem some people have is they have no plan about the spiritual growth and development. They'll plan their retirement. They'll plan the vacation. They'll plan uh, a family meeting. They'll plan a meal. But they have no plan for their spiritual growth and development. None. None. And they wonder why they're still in the same funk that they were a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Because they have no plan. Let me tell you something. We as mature saints, we need a plan. We don't need to talk about, well, I didn't wait to let the Lord lead me. He lead me to tell you to get a plan. <laughs> Are y'all seeing that? Get a plan. You know, I got a plan to work out next week. I have to. Yeah, you see it right here? This ain't plan right here. I got a plan for this right here. Because this will take over. <laughs> you follow me? This will take over, my brother. You're going to take over. So I got to have a plan. I got to have a plan in order to do something. Well, even more than that, I got to have a spiritual plan next week that I got to accomplish for certain things for the kingdom of God. I got to have a spiritual plan. Listen, if you're going to do anything for God, you can. You got to be intentional about your relationship with Jesus. Intentional. Intentional. You can, like, I know you may, this evening you may not have a plan to go where you're going to eat at. But you better have a plan about what you're going to do for God. Because the devil will get you so busy, you will have no plan, time to do anything for God. He will find anything to substitute your relationship with Jesus. And if you're not intentional, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, it will be on the back burner before you know it. You'll be with a whole 24 hours and have not prayed, have not meditated on scripture, have not did anything spiritually a whole 24 hours, and you don't think it's okay, but the enemy said, oh, I got him. And we don't let, let the enemy have any more I got you's in our life. We got to do is listen, we got to make sure that we are doing what God called for us to do. Now, I know this is a little tough for some of us in here, because we're the way for God just to drop it on us and all that kind of stuff. No, we got to be intentional. Just like you're intentional about anything else. Oh, I got a scripture for you. Seek ye first. The kingdom of hope. Seek ye first. Seek ye. Seek ye. Seek ye. Notice what he said in Matthew 6.33. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and you shall be filled. You got to seek him first. You got to seek him first. We find that we think, talk, and act better in every area of our life, including our family when we do, when we do so. If we are not completely confident that we are a member of Jesus' family. Remember, we talked about this earlier. The example we used was Jesus used his hands and he pointed over, let's say, his disciples and said, this is my brother and my mother. So he said, mother and brothers. Those who do the will of my father. But again, I believe he truly wanted to get to his disciples. I want everybody to be a part of my family. I want you disciples to share the good news of Jesus with others so they can be a part of my family. Because that's the most important family in the world is your family with Jesus. 
This is the family. Oh, God, I'll get ahead of myself. But the heaven and the family in heaven and earth is named after. It's the name of Jesus. The name, the, listen, if Holy Spirit in Romans 8, I believe it's Romans chapter 8 or Romans chapter 9. It said, if you have not the spirit of God, you're none of his. You got to be a part of his family. You got to be a part of his family. But give you just some, something real briefly that we all can help other people become a part of the family. It's not just for you, but it's for all of us in the sanctuary. If we're not completely confident that we're members of Jesus' family, we can change our family status easily or help somebody else change their family status easily. We can repent. Repent means to change one's mindset. Accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Accept means to welcome him in, consent to receive, to gain him as our Lord and our Savior. Remember, he said in the book of Revelation, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opened up the door, paraphrasing it, and let me in, I will come and I will commune or I will set with him. You got to welcome him in. You got to welcome Jesus in. And receive the Holy Spirit. As Acts 2 and 38 tells us. Go to Acts 2 38 real quickly. I'm really done, but just hold on just briefly. I'm almost there. Acts 2.38. And the Bible reads as follows. Then Peter said to them, repent. Again, repent means to change what's a mindset. And really change your mindset concerning sin or your relationship with Jesus. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, the removal of sins. Remission means to remove them or no longer have the penalty of sin upon your life. No longer have that penalty of sin upon your life. And receive, notice what it says, receive, select, gain, lay hold of, take possession of the Holy Spirit. Again, Romans 8 and 9, if you have the Spirit of God, you're none of his. We gain so much when we choose Jesus. We gain so much when we choose Jesus. Every individual in this sanctuary, you have a choice to make. Will you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or will you reject him? I truly believe that many in this sanctuary, that you want to be a part of the family of God. And we, as you're a part of the family of God, I know you're going to be happy. You're going to be real happy. Just like many of us in this sanctuary are happy to be a part of the family of Jesus or the family of God. I know you like me. I know you're happy to be a part of the family of God. Stand to your feet. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.